So my guest on the Neil Wilkins podcast today is Carl Gillette, who is a business and leadership coach. And Kyle helps business owners transform, and he really does help them transform because often they can be feeling like they're on an island uh, and also in what Carl describes as a state of SOS. And SOS in Carsland is stressed out, overwhelmed and stuck. Let's face it, I think we're all kind of feeling that right now in this chaotic, crazy world that we all live in with the uh, you know, demands and challenges coming from every single direction. So we are in the presence of somebody who can help us see through this. Now, the reason that Kyle and I are having this conversation today is because of Kyle's new book, uh, the most recent book in Kyle's uh, portfolio of books, uh, which is called Right Now Leadership. And we're going to go deep into this book, uh, the reasons behind the book, and actually how it can help you to become a more effective leader in today's busy chaotic, crazy landscape. So welcome to the show, Carl. Thank you, Neil. I'm excited to be here and join you for sure. Great stuff. So before we kind of kick off, if anybody hasn't encountered Kyle before, what should they know? What is your backstory? Where have you kind of come from to get to this point of being, well, really quite an influential uh, business and leadership coach? Yeah. um, So what's fun is most people have never grown up on an orange farm. (laughs) And so I grew up on an orange farm in the Central Valley of California. So that's my blue collar background, part of the reason why the business is called Blue Shirt. Uh, So I grew up there and worked with my dad from seventh grade through to high school, later into high school. I had a lot of good experience working with him. He's He's an entrepreneur, started his business in 83 when my sister was born, like just went for it. You know, that I, I, when I learned that, I couldn't believe it. So that was really inspiring to me and it's kind of paid forward into my blood, if you will. Uh, And then I went into uh, nonprofit work for about 10 years where I managed a pet resort and I worked with young men, 18 and 25, that were off track in life. And that's where I really cut my teeth in terms of coaching people and mentoring people. And my mentor there for those nine plus years was a serial entrepreneur that, that has had lots of business that businesses that were very successful and he just dumped into me the whole time. So everything that I was trying to do in the program, he was helping me with and then he was teaching me and then I was implementing. So it's just like live masters of business administration. It was a really cool experience. Got into HR for a couple years and then got exposed to assessments and I went, oh, I can make money doing workshops and not get this piddly little salary over here. And so went for it about five and a half years ago into this business. And I guess the phrase never looked back springs to mind now because, yeah, it's a whole different world out there, isn't it? Doing it your way. It is. It's scary <laughs> to do it your own way because there's no no cushion there, right? There's no parachute. But uh, it's been amazing to do it my way uh, and, and learn and to fail and to struggle in the process because you only get better. And that that whole kind of adage of, you know, you're only going to learn from your mistakes. And I know it's a real cliche now, but you hear so many people saying it, don't you, is, you know, if it goes too smoothly, I mean, what what did you learn? You know, and if you haven't overcome any adversity, well, what, what can you say that you've gained? You know, so it, it almost is like the negatives you need almost to fuel you. I mean, did you. Have you found that sort of in these years that you've been doing this? Yeah, it seems like the people that are sometimes the most inspiring are the ones that have these huge failures like bankruptcies and really crazy stories and then you watch them 
shift from that terrible experience and grow up really they mature and they grow up and in my case you know i had a personal training business my first one uh, i ran that for a year and a half very successful i was able to support myself in my early 20s that was great and then we moved up to the pacific northwest and i went after uh doing life coaching or actually no the first thing was was uh, personal training online and i was i was like ahead of the curve when people are just starting to do that i started to do that as well but I miserably failed. I, I was I was afraid to be on camera. I was afraid to do the outreach. And so, it, of course, I failed. I was a miserable failure. And then I did a life coaching business that I wrote a book for and everything. The book was good. I, some people bought it. I did some workshops. People loved what they got. But again, I didn't have the savvy when it came to marketing and sales. And so it didn't work out. But those two experiences just changed shifted everything for me when i opened this one you know three four years after after all that experience so yeah i totally agree failure is totally necessary <laughs> you gotta mm -hmm. you gotta take the risk otherwise you can't grow uh it just, it just doesn't happen mm. and there's a certain level of patience there we will get into the book in a minute but i'm, I'm just curious about this uh, this story and this journey that you're on because there's a certain level of patience isn't there i think a lot of people because everything moves so fast it really does in the current commercial climate you know, you know, you need this month's results. You know, you need to be making those those deals. You need to get that relationship sorted, et cetera, et cetera. And it all has to happen today. You know, there's no kind of patience for let's build a brand. You know, the last time I heard a client or anybody actually say, yeah, let's let's go in this for the long haul and build a build a build a sustainable business. Nobody nobody talks that way, do they? Right now, and yet that is the way to kind of do it if you can afford in whatever industry you're in to do it it, it kind of feels that there is almost a need if you are going to sustain yourself to to accept that you're going to make mistakes there are going to be failures but that is all part of this building a brand building something that is going to be here tomorrow have, have you kind of found that really yourself well yes <laughs> what's interesting is before we got on i mentioned your website and like your brand is beautiful like i look at your brand and i'm going okay neil has this figured out like he knows what he's doing with his brand it's just really smooth the colors all that's put together and at the beginning of this year like it was i think it was december 22nd there was this pivot for my business because i signed up some paperwork that said in six months i'm going to be done with my old brand uh, I had I had tried to trademark my old brand, and I'm not going to mention the name of it, but I had tried to trademark it, and a company said, "Hey, you're infringing on our on what we do." And I'm like, "What are you talking about? You're an accounting software. I'm a I'm a business coach. How is this happening?" Back and forth over email for nine months, and finally, they're like, "Well, we'll take you to court <laughs> if you disagree. We'll just take you to court." And my lawyer said, "Well, that's fifty thousand dollars, so you can go and you'll win." but that's still $50,000. I said, no, thanks. I signed the paper. And then I rebranded to Blue Shirt Coaching over Christmas, like literally, because I had to rebrand. Uh, and uh, the original version of this book was a different name. So I had to rip it from the shelves and change my colors, change the names, change the acronym that I knew, that I use, and even pivot my thinking about everything that I was doing. So Yes, the brand is huge and getting it right and making sure that it sticks and people identify with it is is a big deal. So I, I agree. And it's a massive effort <laughs> to do it. But the payoff is in the long run, the payoff is going to be going to be worth it. I'm still in the throes of it nine months in to see, you know, you don't get you don't know what kind of brand results you're going to get after just nine months, typically. Uh, but it's been 
it's been another lesson, right? Another lesson. And it's, I know it's going to be worth it in the long run. Mm, and having that kind of confidence, I guess. D does that confidence come from, you know, knowing that there are mentors? I mean, you used the word mentor a little bit early when you were describing your, your journey. I, I'm guessing there's a kind of a feeling of comfort to know there are people out there who can support you as much as obviously you're supporting, you know, other business people and leaders. So I guess it kind of, it, it is very much a collaboration. It is part of being in a, a commercial community, isn't it really? Because, you know, none of us, you know, you, you very, very kindly said about my brand and things, but you know, I can see things that aren't quite right and I can see things sure. I want to improve on it. And so none of us are perfect. And I think this is the the recognition, isn't it, that we all need to have those kind of specialist advisors or guides or mentors just as a little bit of comfort and a bit of a reassurance. Is is that how you see mentoring? Yeah, I, for me, mentoring and coaching is is are vital. You know, I have to have them. They're, they serve two different purposes. For me, the mentor is more on the very personal side, spiritual, emotional side of things. The coach is a little bit more on the business side, some some in the emotional side, but primarily the mentor serves over there with the personal things. And uh, they are more telling me a little bit more what to do, whereas the coach is more asking the questions and drawing out insights from me. So throughout this year, I've had, I think, five different coaches and two different mentors. Because if I'm going to be one that's mentoring people and then coaching people where, where I get paid, I, I need to walk the, walk the talk, right? And so getting that coaching shows that I believe in this and also it works, <laughs> you know, this, the coaching and mentoring has moved me forward this year in, in really big ways. I mean, I was sitting at a coffee shop with my mentor, let's say, I think it was, I'd say two months ago. And I was beating myself up because sales weren't where I thought they should be. And he he was he looked at me and he said, Kyle, look at me. And so I saw you know, eye contact right in the eyes. And he says, stop it. <laughs> he just tells me, stop it. And, I, and I'm kind of frown a little bit. And he says, these are the things that you've, how you've impacted me, right? So my mentor is telling me the ways that he, I've impacted him, right? Because we'll have kind of, we'll have back and forth conversations. And so he shared some things with me. And so I start crying because you don't see how much of an impact you're having on people. And he just kind of shut me down with the woe is me talk. And I've done that with my clients as a coach is like, you got to stop it, buddy. You, the impact that you're making is far greater than you realize. And those are the conversations you cannot get outside of mentoring and definitely not outside of coaching. Uh, and they're beautiful conversations because they change lives. In that moment, my life was shifted. And in the moment when I had those conversations with my, with my clients this year, because I've had multiples, their lives were shifted right then. Uh, and it's it's a wonderful thing to see and be a part of. Mm, so if you're listening to this and you, you are a budding entrepreneur, business owner, uh, startup um, wannabe, um, or you've got a side hustle and you kind of can't really quite figure out how to get this thing started, or, and this is a significant one, you work for an organization. So you don't call the shots. You are working for somebody or an, a, a business or a brand. 
the idea of having a mentor, be it somebody internally within your organization or externally, is so valuable. Listen to what Carl is saying here. Mm-hmm. You know, Carl is somebody who is guiding businesses like yours, and yet Kyle has a mentor as well. So, you know, this this is something that applies to all of us. And and certainly I've seen, you know, in my travels and, and a lot of conversations over the years, is that the people who are, you know, entrusting with that kind of vulnerability, because you know, you described it there, Carl, as you know, that there's a mutual vulnerability going on here, this recognition that we are all on a journey, we're all learning, we're all trying to get wiser and wiser as we go. And it is by that sharing, no matter how senior or junior we are, it matters, it really does. Did, did you find, I mean, we'd start to kind of move towards the uh, the book, because I certainly want to get there and find out, you know, a lot more about it. But do you find that that kind of collaborative thing when you start to think about leadership is a is a really important kind of element? Because the more I see of successful people, again, at every level in business, the ones who are the good communicators, the collaborators, the ones who kind of know that the relationships and partnerships are going to make or break how successful they are and how much they enjoy doing what they do. Those are the ones who win. It's it's the ones who forge ahead by themselves in isolation who tend to be the ones who struggle. Is that is that a fair assumption or a, an accurate observation? Do you think? Hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, there's lots and lots of research behind that being provable that that is true. When you collaborate, when you mastermind, when you find a partner that's a good fit for your business, you're, you're going to go to the next level. You can't do it on your own. And we never have ever done it on our own. Even those that are the the cowboys that think they've done it on their own, they haven't. They're standing on the shoulders of those that were successful before them. Whether they want to admit it or not, they are. And this last year was my, my highest grossing year. And the thing that changed last year in 2022 was that I actually let go of some things. I brought in a virtual assistant and then my wife quit quit working her job and she started doing work for me. And then I had my tax guy, he, he started taking care of all the accounting and tax stuff. And so now my workload is very different. I still work as many hours, but it's focused on the right things that fit me. And that's, that's the breaking point, or that's the pivot point for business owners. If they, if they really want to move to that next level in their business and not just grow at a percentage, you know, 10, 15, 20%, they're going to need to get out of the way. Uh, and so for me in, in the book, I, there's two big angles to take on that. There's the empowerment angle to do that. And there's the accountability angle and combined, it's obviously the best. Uh, but those those two angles to get that collaborative nature with someone else in your business is is necessary. And it's really wonderful to see happen when when you see that accountability come into play in organizations and in your own business. And when you see your people be empowered and they come up with these amazing ideas. You're like, wow, that's brilliant. I never would have thought of that. But because you put the effort into empowering them, now now they are super helpful for you. So I 100%. Yeah, we got to be we got to be working with one another. And I have some processes I could explain of how to do both those accountability empowerment stuff. Uh, but I agree with you totally. Mm. So yeah, I'd, I'd like to go into those two because clearly those are the two 
kind of themes, if you like, or threads that go through the book. And and I think you know this is important. Um, and we'll put a link actually for everyone in the uh, in the bio, so that or the bio in the description. I'm thinking of social media there in the description for the uh, for the episode, um, so that people can uh, get get a copy for themselves. But I, I'm curious about this the, these two words because I I know what my definition of empowerment is. And I know what my definition of accountability is. But I'm very interested to know how you would see those two things and also the interplay between them once we kind of learn what those two things are. Because if they are, you know, very much right now leadership, um, kind of can you describe those and then we can see how they then link together to give you that almost that supercharging or putting the afterburners on for this? Which, yeah. which one would you which one would you you cover first out of those two? Yeah, so in in right now leadership, it's based on my blue shirt framework, and and blue is a four letter acronym. I love acronyms. I have a sheet of paper that has about twenty five of them on it <laughs> to help me remember things and to help my clients to be more effective in their businesses. But blue is the primary one, and it stands for four things. Like I said, four pillars, and it's the first one is to be a self aware leader. And so if you if you want to picture a house, just a regular home. Picture that and this, the foundation of leadership is going to be being self-aware, right? So that's your foundation of your house. And then the L is lead with accountability. And so that is the nails that hold your leadership house together. Without accountability, no matter how beautiful the architecture, no, no matter how wonderful everything looks from the outside, if you don't have the nails that hold that house together, it's going to fall on itself and crush everyone that you're leading, right? And we've seen this with lack of integrity in, in some businesses or lack of accountability. And then they, they go bankrupt because they don't have good accountability in place. Then the U is use a growth mindset. So this is the idea of at all times right now included, we need to be adjusting our leadership. In a home, after you've lived there for a year, you, you make some adjustments. You might paint a wall. After 10 years, you're going to maybe put an addition on your home. You're going to replace the roof. You're going to replace the windows, the carpet, whatever. You're adjusting your leadership at all times to the people you're leading and to the marketplace you're leading in, right? So that's lead, uh, use a growth mindset. And then E is empower others. And that's the windows and doors of your leadership house. <clears throat> this allows people to see into your leadership and go, I want to be I want to be in there. I see that culture. That culture looks amazing. Those people are happy. They're enjoying their work. They're getting results. They love what they do. I want to be a part of that. So I'm going to knock on that door and be a part of that in some way, shape or form. So that's the that's the framework and how I walk my clients through uh, my coaching with them. I want them to embrace the blue shirt framework. And the shirt part means you got to put it on every day. I got to wake up and put on my literal blue shirt, but it's symbolic for me that represents I'm going to embody those four pillars, right? So though that's the broad view, but to answer your question specifically, uh, you have to start with self-awareness, but we'll address the accountability part because that's what we were talking about before. There's a there's research by Michigan State that, that shows when you apply accountability in a specific way I'm going to describe, you will achieve 76% of your goals. 76%. There's another study by the American Society of Training and Development that says it's 95%. So pick your percentage. It's really high regardless if you follow this approach. So, Neil, when you think about your goals for the rest of this year or even into next year, what's what's something that you're really excited about that you want to achieve? So one thing that I'm really excited about is being a 
And I'm going to use the word with a small lowercase p, but a pioneer in AI and metaverse marketing. So mm-hmm. I'm, one of my clear goals around that is to not only be doing um, some little thought leadership blogs and little kind of mini webinars and stuff on it, but is to actually be um, uh, securing places on a workshop that I offer once a month through Cambridge Marketing College at the moment. Um, and basically people can come on and just start to introduce themselves to the journey of AI and metaverse marketing, i.e. the next generation of what digital marketing has been for the last 20 years. And There's a bit is, of a shameless plug there for my, my <laughs> workshop series. <laughs> and, and what is it about that that excites you? The innovation, seeing people... Um, seeing their eyes light up when they realize, ah, this isn't just futurology. I can do something about this today. Uh, Empowering others. Um, So that's why I was really drawn to your word empowerment there, because I'm not going to solve it for them, but I can introduce it to them. Um, And it just gives me a really, really cool topic to talk about on my (laughs) podcast as well. Awesome. I'm being honest. Yeah. So what you just described is this goal that's interesting and exciting to yourself and the way you described it, it's interesting and exciting to me and probably the listeners as well. Right. So what you've done is you've done the first part in the process of creating this accountability. And what I call it in the book is, is the accountability pass, P-A-S-S. And you've created passive accountability. So what that means is You've told yourself about the future of what this goal is going to achieve for yourself and most importantly for others. Because if we don't include others in our goal, that the goal is extremely selfish and it won't get legs. It just won't because other people won't be interested in it. And if we're going to accomplish our goals, we need other people like we were talking about before. So you've created a goal that has legs because it's exciting to you. It includes the benefit to other people. And now your brain knows because you've described it pretty in detail, your brain knows what it should look like when you're successful. So now your unconscious mind has a goal that it's going to go after that you don't even really need to consciously be thinking about all the time. It's doing the work for you already. And you'll do, you know, conscious work as well, but that's passive. And since you told me and however many people are listening, some of us will ask you, Hey, Neil, what's going on with you on this, on this goal that you talked about? What's going on with the AI stuff? I'm super excited. I want to, I want to benefit, right? So now, because you told people, you're accountable to them as well, but all they're doing is following up with you, right? So it's not, it's not the A in pass, which is active accountability. Active accountability says you reach out to one of those few people that followed up with you and you say, hey, would you be willing to meet with me on a weekly basis or biweekly basis to talk about your goals and I'll talk about my goals and we'll keep each other accountable to achieving them, right? So that's active accountability. And that bumps us up to 65% likelihood of accomplishing the goal, just just doing that alone, right? Now you have a plan in place, you've thought about it, you're committed to it, all those things. Then you have structures, that's the plan, that's your to-do list, and that's your calendar. The to-do list is the things you need to get done, the calendar is the people you need to meet with to pull it off, right? There's other structures you can put in place. You could sign a contract with yourself, you could write a check to yourself for a certain amount of money to help motivate you, there's all kinds of things. But primarily, it's your to-do list and the people that you're going to meet with. And then the S, the second S, is self-accountability. So, Neil, have you ever jumped out of an airplane or done zip lining or uh, bungee cording, jump, bungee jumping? I mean, I've, I've done zip lining. I've never dr- jumped out of an aircraft, though. No. Okay. So, with on a zip line, the first few usually are pretty straightforward. They're pretty easy. They're kind of short. They warm you up, so not hard. 
And then you get to that one platform, like the one I did in Costa Rica, which was a thousand feet, <laughs> you know, That's thousand high. feet over the canopy of a forest. That's a long way, mm-hmm. but I'm so deep into my decision to do this. And when you zip line, you don't get to go back down to the ca- canopy floor because you're so far out in the woods. One, it won't be safe Two, They weren't, they're not going to let you, you're, you're, you're there. Right. So when you were on that platform and you were hooked up and you're going to go that longest distance, once you got off that platform, you started zipping down, you were committed. There was no returning back to base or whatever. Right. We need to do the same thing in our businesses, in our commitments to our goals, where we find that point of no return, like jumping out of an airplane. Once you're falling, (laughs) you're not climbing back into that airplane. It's over. So what is that for you in this goal? And what is that for the people that are listening and the goals they're thinking about? If you figure that out, now the likelihood, according to the research, is going to be between 76 and 95%, right? That's that personal accountability that that is um, just exceedingly powerful. And it's really easy to do. It's not hard to ask people to, to chat with you about your goals because that's the core of the whole picture. So that's your accountability pass. Uh, and I, obviously I describe it in more detail in the book, but that's, that's how it works. Mm, that's, that's really, really useful. And I, th- I think for a lot of people who may uh, sort of find themselves falling foul of what, let's call it the P word, procrastination. Yeah, yeah. Um, and let's face it, most people have encountered that at some point, uh, either today or in their life. But, so they'll know what I mean. Um, that kind of, yeah, that sort of self and accountability to another or others is so, so powerful because there's almost there's nowhere to hide. And I think, you know, there's this kind of feeling, I think, that leaders are, um, you're leading your own projects or you're leading a small business or you're leading something much, much bigger. There is this kind of requirement to be out there up on that pedestal or on that pinnacle and, and people are looking at you. And so there is this kind of, sort of inert um, sort of accountability that is always there, whether you like it or not. So that's a really interesting thing that, you know, at a very local personal level, it's really, really important, isn't it? I like yeah, that. The, the passive accountability, you just made me think of this. So I really appreciate it. So this this is like not in the book. So this is bonus content, I guess you'd say. But uh, the, the passive accountability is the inertia. The active accountability is the momentum. Right. If, if you if you can tell people about your goal, just be brave enough to get it out there. Now you've got some inertia. But once people join you in helping support you, either directly or indirectly, that's that momentum that keeps it going forward and forward and forward. And we get the joy of doing that. I get the joy of doing that for all of my clients. Right? I get to be that active accountability for them and to keep that momentum going. And when I, I reflect every morning on my gains, what have I gained over the last day? What did I gain over the last week? And I think about, okay, what has happened? And often the gain has to do with other people, like what they gained, because I got to be a part of it. Uh, and so I get to build that momentum with them as it relates to active accountability. So it's a it's a joy to do. It's so cool to watch. Mm. Okay, can I go just back a couple of steps, really? Where, where you described in the um, Blue Shirt Leadership Framework, the, um, the, the B, which was being self-aware, as, as a leader, because obviously that almost is one of the starting points, because yeah. until you're um, not necessarily completely self-aware, but until you have some kind of awareness over your strengths, your weaknesses, your preferences, your kind of past experience, your impact, your values. I mean, the list obviously is endless here, isn't it, really? But until you have some kind of 
awareness of self, it must be quite hard to actually be able to identify with some of those things like accountability and even entering into those conversations. So how, how would somebody, if they are either an aspiring leader or a leader who isn't necessarily achieving what they're looking to achieve or they're getting some resistance to the people they're working with, how would they begin to sort of think or address the whole kind of self-awareness thing? Where, where do you start with something like that? Yeah, for sure. So there's a way to get subjective, objective data, <laughs> if you will. So when it comes to being aware of yourself, like you're the only one that can talk about what you know about yourself, right? That's it. Nobody else can. Only I can talk about what I know about myself. Other people can observe me, but only internally can I express that. So how do you how do you figure that out? Well, there's all kinds of assessments out there. So one of the things to do is to take one of those behavioral assessments and learn about yourself by subjectively putting your information in there about your your thoughts on yourself or the you know the word comparisons all those tools and then it spits out an objective report about you and now you have this third three-dimensional you could call it three-dimensional view of yourself because you're you put the information in and then it spits out facts back about you that you can look at from the outside looking in and i have all of my clients take one for their their habits and then take one for their mindsets. And then I do an hour to hour and a half long debrief on what those results mean. And the lights are always just shining with, with my clients because they're recognizing these things about themselves, but it's never been in, put in words for them before, or they've never put it into words for themselves as I ask them questions about their results. And that just tweaks the mind in this really beautiful way that allows them to now notice themselves in a whole different light. We, we go about our days as just this habit machine, but when you put names and words and, and phrases to the wiring that you have, now you can see yourself differently. So that's, that's one tool. Obviously the mentors and coaches are another tool, but self-awareness is mostly for yourself. Like you're doing that work. And so the other tool that I highly recommend is journaling. Every, every day, journal every single day, reflect on your day. And you can reflect however you want. It could be a gratitude journal. It could be a complaint and journal. I hope it's not that. It can be a journal about what was successful, what you gained, like I was talking about. But that takes your two-dimensional thinking where you're having a conversation with yourself in your head, right? You're thinking about the day. You're thinking about the conversation you had with that employee and you're frustrated with yourself because you could have done it differently or with that, with that prospect and it didn't work out. So you're just conversing inside your head. But the moment you put it on paper and start writing down what happened, now you have this third view of it. Again, you're outside, you're disassociating from the situation, which allows you to see it differently. And then it affects change in you much more rapidly because you're seeing it from this third person perspective. And then you add in the coach, oh my goodness, you're just gonna, you're gonna rocket, rocket your self-awareness. So I'll shut up, but those are the, those are the quick thoughts that come to mind. Yeah, and, and again, there's, there's so much value in the way you describe that. You're very eloquent, by the way. I have to say, you know, you're so clear the way you kind of, you know, it must be the author in you or something like that, because, you know, it is just so clear. And I get it from the first go. Sometimes I have to think, right, I need to reflect on that for a minute. I don't actually hear. It's just like, oh, yeah, there's the answer. So thank <laughs> you for being so clear with the, the way you describe these things. Yeah, and it is, it's about... I mean, with the journaling particularly, I guess, it is about taking that moment and 
um, giving yourself permission to spend that time because most of us are just chasing our tails, aren't we? Really, I mean, we've got to check social, we've got an inbox for email that is just bursting at the seams. Oh, yeah, we've got to go and pick up the kids, or we've got to do whatever it is. You know, there's a whole bunch of pressures. Time for what you're describing there as an absolutely critical part of, well, I guess not even any leader, but anybody's kind of day-to-day life to journal feels like it's a real critical, probably missing part for most people. I mean, when is a good time to journal? When do you find? Anytime. I, I I don't do it that way, but my opinion is anytime's a good time just so people will start and then they'll find a time that really fits them. But if you're listening to this and you got a window of five minutes afterward, do it. Just, just journal, write the things, five things you're grateful for, or five questions that you have for yourself. I don't want to go into it, but in the book, I, I give you, I think three, if I remember correctly, three different ways to journal. And I walk you through the process and I have a very specific process. I fall on Saturdays uh, to do a, a deeper journal dive. Uh, but on Mondays, I, I do what I call my CEO meeting. Every Monday from 8 a.m. to 8.30 a.m., I'm, I'm sitting. It's a prayer meeting, really. I'm talking to God in my business because I'm a Christian. And I focus on my business that way. But I spend 30 minutes journaling about my frustrations, my my joys, the things I'd like to see happen, the hopes, the crazy hopes of like the wild stuff that's way out of my control type stuff. And so play with play with writing and journaling however you want is really the thing, but, but start soon as this episode's over, if you haven't started yet uh, to give a more specific answer, I would recommend first thing in the morning, just when you, when you wake up and you're thinking about the day, you're thinking about the previous day, you're trying to get your morning started, maybe do a journal for five minutes while you sip on your coffee. Although drinking coffee that quick in the morning is not a good idea. It's better to wait 90 minutes, but that's a whole nother topic. Um, Spend five minutes and you can do it in bed. I, I just do it on my phone and my iPad. I don't write. I actually type. And so that's why I say do it anytime because we always have our phones on us. Let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, some people bring their phones into the shower, so you can do it anywhere. <laughs> so that's what I would recommend. No, that's great. Yeah. And I guess there's there if there is that flexibility, it's about creating a habit that that serves, not that just adds another weight of things to do into an an already bursting at the seams kind of day. So yeah, I I get that. That's really helpful. It's just something I want to pick up on the... the words that you use there about this kind of, you know, the big thinking, the whole kind of idea of, yes, I really want to push those crazy ideas that, you know, what if, you know, those possibilities. Is that something that kind of comes into the um, the you in your blue framework, which is the user growth mindset? Because does, does every leader have to have a growth mindset? I, I'm just curious about this one because, Growth, I think, for lots of people means more revenue, more hours spent at work, um, having more employees, just having a bigger business or more things to do, bigger team, more products, more service. It just it feels it's bigger. Is that what a growth mindset is or should be? Because that feels quite a lot of hard work. Yeah. So in the book, I use what, what I call the growth SUV and it's five mindsets. And I talk about where the mindsets sit in the SUV, right? And I, I could go into it a little bit here if you want me to, but but essentially the growth is about, well, let me let me look. I have to remember the five of them that's up on the wall. Uh, so we got we got risk, learner, persistence, abundance, and sales. Okay, right. So 
in in the backseat of that growth SUV is the risk mindset that says, hey, let's go for it. Let's do this. We can do it. It's that optimistic personality part of us. And some of us have a lot more of it than others. And that's not a good or bad thing. It just is. But that risk mindset is, is what allows you to grow. That's really the heart of growth. Because if you don't take risk, you can't. It's really difficult to grow because there's nothing to learn from whether you succeed or fail in that risk. So I have this little saying that says, it's a fact that if you don't feel like a fake, you're not going to grow. But it's also a fact if you feel like a fake, you are going to grow. So for those of us that feel like imposters at times, flip that script and go, wait, this is awesome. I'm feeling like an imposter because I'm taking a risk and now I'm going to grow regardless of the outcome, right? So that's the first thing, the, the, the risk. The second one that sits in the middle is the learner mindset. So backseat middle with the feet up on the hump, right, is the learner mindset that says, wow, we screwed up over here or wow, we succeeded. Let's learn from that. And how, how can we learn from that? And then the third one is, oh yeah, the persistent mindset. The persistent mindset says, you know what? It didn't work out that first time, but we learned from it. So let's persist and keep going. And the persistent mindset yells up at the navigator or the driver and says, hey, let's keep going. Keep turn here. Or I think we should turn here. Let's give it a shot. And so those three backseat drivers, if you will, in that growth SUV, help someone to grow and help them move forward. Then you have the navigator which is, I gotta see if I can remember this correctly. Um, is it a button? It's sales. Yeah, it's the sales. So the sales mindset sits shotgun and says, hey, let's go, let's go this way. Let's go, let's try this. Let's try that. I, I, I believe I can sell this. I believe I can make this work out. And it sits shotgun and it's going, let's go. Let's, let's, let's push this thing. Let's push this thing. And that's wonderful because you learn from it, from the three other mindsets. But finally, you have the, the driver. And the driver is the abundant mindset. If you don't have an abundant mindset and you're not being driven by that, it doesn't matter how good you are at sales. It doesn't matter how much you learn from your failures. You're At some point, you're going to get stuck because that mindset of abundance that says, I can learn in this lull, in this valley of struggle, I could still learn. And I'm going to keep driving this SUV. And it's an SUV because at times we're driving on that nice pavement and man, is it smooth and we're making money and everything's going well. Other times we're climbing that mountain. There's some big boulders in the way, but an SUV has four wheel drive and it can make it over those difficult times. But the driver has to have that abundant mindset that says, I can do this. We can do this. Let's go. So obviously there's more detail, but that is the, that is the kind of overall picture of what of how I encourage my clients to lock in their mindsets to continue growing uh, indefinitely, really. Mm. You can see how all these things really interrelate. There's, yeah. There isn't one kind of little pill that you can take or one dose of something that means, oh, yeah, now I'm really an empowered leader and I'm doing it the right way for the current world. And there's a lot of kind of interrelationship between, well, I guess, thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. There's, there's, there's a really complex mix here, isn't it? Do you, I mean, with, with that in mind, and I know you're an, an NLP practitioner, how do you find the sort of, for those of you who don't know what uh, NLP, neuro linguistic programming, um, how do you find that kind of impacts on this? Because that is a, obviously a, a bunch of psychological and preference-driven and behavioral um, sort of actions and attitudes and, and mindsets. How, how do you find that impacts on leadership? 
Yeah, the first one is definitely a self-awareness part because when you use NLP, the way I describe it is NLP is is mind hacking for your habits and mindsets, right? You you can use the language of which you speak to yourself to hack these bad habits and bad mindsets and then replace them very quickly with the mindsets and habits that you want. You can do it on your own, but it's way better to do it with a practitioner uh, that can walk you through the process so you can just take in the experience. <clears throat> and it's crazy because it seems crazy, at least. Uh, just a simple example of it would be, I got to speak at a, at a conference on, on Friday and it was in front of about 20 business owners and they're all very successful business owners, you know, over a million each, maybe a couple million for several of the businesses. And, it, you know, it's kind of intimidating to speak in front of people. And so I was, I was pretty nervous and I speak from time to time and I usually get pretty excited for it. But for some reason, going to this casino and speaking in this, this space was getting me nervous. And so I went, well, how, what can I do? How can I use NLP to help myself? So I went through this little pattern process called a swish. And I went through this pattern with myself and reframed, basically reframed my view of what was going to happen. And when I finished, I was like, I feel a little bit better. I feel a little bit better. And then I went to sleep, got up in the morning and was getting ready to go. And I felt maybe on the drive there, I felt maybe one minute of apprehension, one minute. The rest of the time I was just pumped. And that's that shortcut. I got to I got to short circuit that thought process of being really nervous. And instead I was excited. So I pivoted that energy to this excitement. And we can do this in hundreds of areas. And I do this with my clients all the time. Hundreds of areas. I did it with a client recently who was struggling with binge eating because when she got nervous about what was going on in her business, she started to eat and she overate like crazy. And so we did a, an exercise and dove real deep because I did some other techniques with her and she was over it. <laughs> I mean, this is something she's been dealing with since she was, was like really, really young, you know, preteen and we were able to work through it. So it's extremely powerful for getting through those blocks that have been holding me back or you back for even decades. I, I, it's I'm speechless sometimes with how it works, but it does. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the, the thing, isn't it? It's almost like we don't need to actually understand the, the, how it does it, just knowing it's the what, isn't it really? And it is this kind of amalgamation of journaling, just taking time, being mindful, being self-aware, surrounding yourself by expert others talking to a mentor um, and all the things that you've kind of put together in this lovely mix, but also reframing stuff that isn't serving us. And I think a lot of us just try and battle on through where actually there is a much more simple way, which is just acceptance, being vulnerable in that moment and saying, hey, I'm not perfect, I'm not trying to be perfect, but actually I recognize that there's something there that's not serving me. How can I reposition that in my world? And it kind of, in, I know I'm making that sound really simple, but actually, philosophically, this is actually really simple stuff, but it's just that none of us do it, do we? So yeah. how, how do we kind of take the first step, apart from obviously getting hold of the Right Now Leadership book, uh, yeah. which I'm going to be putting the link into the description for those of you who didn't realize that earlier. Um, how can we How can we sort of take that first step? What is the first step, really? Yeah, um, so I had a thought and I lost it, which is unfortunate, but... Um... Oh yeah, that's right. The, the 
first step is if you think about, let's talk about something we're afraid of, right? So public speaking is something a lot of people are afraid of. At some time in my life and in some time maybe in your life or other people's lives, we had this experience that made us afraid to speak publicly. Maybe we, we went up somewhere and we spoke in front of four people in front of our family as a kid. And then our uncle made fun of us or our sister or brother did. And, and now that that's embedded in our brain as when I'm in front of people, I'm going to get made fun of. Right. So now in that instant, when that sister, brother, uncle, whatever, dad, mom made fun of you, your brain says, well, public speaking is really embarrassing. If I'm in front of people, this is not this is going to be bad. OK, well, that's an instant change. The beauty of our unconscious mind is not only does it change in an instance in the positive or in the negative direction, it can change in an instant in the positive direction as well. And so the work of NLP and the mindset shifts that I do with my clients does that. It allows you to make that instant change again, because if it can change negatively in one instant, of course, it can change neg positively in the next or in a different instant. Uh, and because our brain keeps everything, it's it's ridiculous, <laughs> but it keeps everything. And so it can you can move that stuff around with the right techniques. Uh, so I would I would say reflect on those instances where you had those fears or where you had those struggles that have then shaped your behaviors, have then shaped um, your assumptions about yourself. And then from there, you can easily just shift to journaling about it and letting it go as one of the paths. And then, of course, you can you can do some NLP work as well. But highlight those things, write them down and then start to release them and start to, to shift them into a new mindset instead. Mm. Carl makes this sound so simple, but there is support because uh, you can check out blueshirtcoaching.com. And if you go to blueshirtcoaching.com slash book, then you can find all the details about Carl's new book, Right Now Leadership, which is the practical step that will build on everything that Carl has shared with us. This has been a really, really useful conversation. I, I just, again, I think we all kind of need these kinds of conversations or to just hear others talking about this stuff because it is just that little reminder to everybody that, hey, it doesn't matter whether I'm a business owner or somebody really junior starting out in my career. These are just good things to just get constantly reminded of, aren't they? And I think, you know, this is probably the value of podcasting as well, is it just gives us those little drip-fed reminders of, yeah, you're okay, you're doing the right thing, but just here's a little tip. You could try this one today. So I think, you know, it's just been so helpful, really, really has, Carl. So thank you so much for your time uh, and energy and wisdom. And those acronyms, they are so useful. Yeah. Blue being the one I'm going to keep remembering, I think, now for quite some time. And clearly you have many of those up on your wall as well. So uh, so what was the one that you shared with us with the SUV? Just remind us of that one. Well, I just call it a growth SUV. And you, you've got risk, you have learner, you have persistence, and then sales and abundance. And they're all the five mindsets of, someone that uses a growth mindset. It's brilliant. So, so helpful. Thank you very much for your time today, Carl. I think everybody must have got huge amounts of value from this. So, uh, yeah, really appreciative. And get Kyle's book is the, uh, the call to action here. Uh, the uh, link to that is in the description below. Thanks again, Carl. Thank you, Neil. Appreciate it.